How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. How's your week this week? A lot of stuff going on? All right. I, I won't be before you long because we have to uh, we have to go over to Brother James's church today. We have to be there for two, so we won't be able to stay to 4 o'clock as normal. <laughs> Do we have a problem with that? All right. Let's see. Let me get my clock so we keep an eye on time. All right. It's 11.50. Good hands. Good hands. Good hands. Very much. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Though we prayed for the word, Lord, pray with the congregation today that you open the ears and the hearts, Lord, and uh, Lord, help me to convey this message over to you today. Uh, Lord, this outstanding word yes, Heavenly Father yes. and uh, Heavenly Father just pray God Holy Spirit that you'll be with me guide me, Bless, me through this through this time in this area and say what you have to say in the name of your son Jesus Christ we pray Amen Amen, Amen. I want to talk today uh, my title today uh, uh, that you seen down on the board was Jesus the Alpha and the Omega um, the Alpha and Omega um, is the Greek letters, of, uh, Greek alphabet. It's the, the beginning and the end, right? And so I, basically I really want to talk to you about Jesus. Jesus is God and the, the fact that Jesus has always existed. And we're going to go through a couple of scriptures here that I want to, some of the organizations that you might, if you ever witness and ever, ever talk to people, it seems that a lot of people have a problem with Jesus. We don't have a problem with him in this church. As a matter of fact, we, he's a part of the Trinity, which we're going to talk about today. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but we're going to cover a couple of scriptures and cover a couple of areas that, and I'm going to pretty much kind of do the same format that I did last time. I'm going to just, I got a bunch of scriptures that I'm going to read through. And I have, I do have a diagram that I want to. Is that diagram? Yeah. I saw when I saw this diagram, I was really, really touched by it, which kind of gives an idea concerning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, as you can see, right in the center, we have one God, right? We serve one God, but this one God has three personalities. Right? Three separate personalities, but one God. Now, a lot of people have a problem with this. A lot of Some religions think that God is all by himself. He can do it all by himself, and he don't need any help. Right? This Bible that we have talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So as you can see, God is at the center. The Father is at the head. He does have a, uh, the Son has always existed, and the Holy Spirit has been on the scene, too. I came across a word in which we're going to see in Scripture called preeminent, right? Jesus is preeminent. And preeminent just basically means that he's always existed, right? With the Father, before, before all others, he surpasses all others. All other gods, there's no God that stands up that I'm going to read a Scripture that's going to uh, define, God's going to define who he is. 
Jesus is supreme. The whole Godhead is supreme. It's almighty. There is no God above uh, this God that we serve. Jesus is, a word that's called is sovereign, right? The word sovereign here we're going to take is he has authority over everything, uh, over the elements. And we're going to talk about even before he came, uh, before he came to earth, that he existed before he came to earth. Jesus was not created by God. Some religions that you're going to talk to, they're going to try to convince you that uh, God created Jesus. And then after that, that he created everything else. Well, but uh, that is not true. That's a lie. And we're going to try to debunk that lie today. Uh, Jesus was not created, uh, God's first creation, uh, but he is the creator of creation. And so when you read in uh, Genesis 1 and 1, where it says, uh, In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Where God, he's talking about all three uh, were there on the scene, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, he's talking about all of them, one God, right? But we're going to see in three persons. First scripture I'm going to go to is 1 John 5, 7 in the King James Version. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, you're going to have a problem with some people when you talk about this scripture here. Because this particular scripture here is basically only found in the King James Version, right? But from my study, I found out that there are four manuscripts who have this, this wording that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Word is Jesus, which we're going to see down below, uh, that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, that the three are one. So expect with some people that you're going to have an argument because uh, they feel, a lot of people feel that, in my research, that this scripture was just put in there and that it doesn't uh, need to be there because when you check a lot of other translations, you don't find it worded like this. Though this is the truth that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, though it is a true statement, but you have, you'll have a problem with when you talk to some people concerning this passage. Number two, John 1 and 1 kind of clears up everything. It says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now you're going to have problems with people here again. Now there's one translation, uh, the New World's translation, which is used by the Jehovah's Witness. They kind of... Um, Translate this just a little bit different. Their translation goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Right? I don't know if you know that. Small g. A God, small g. Now, this is one of the biggest arguments that you're going to end up coming with the way that they, they translate it. And the reason they translate it this way is because they don't believe that Jesus is God, right? And because they don't believe that Jesus is God, they try to, they downplay him by this verse 
calling him a God when we know there's only one God, right? And I'm going to share another scripture with you. So it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, uh, the Greek word for Word is Logos. Now that's Jesus Christ. The Word is Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God, okay? Meaning that he has no beginning and he has no end. That's why we call him the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end, right? He's the first and he's the last. Everything was made, that was made. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him not was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. What's fascinating as we read down a little further is about this Jesus, who is actually God, actually became flesh. And he dwelt among us. Words really can't really express this Jesus because he is God. When he was here on earth, he had authority. The winds and the waves had to obey him. Really, as a matter of fact, many people coming up during that time didn't believe that he was God, right? And so uh, they always challenged him. But at any, any time, he could have took his authority and really just wished them away, right? But because he came to, to save man, he didn't do that. One of the biggest scriptures that you'll find is in Colossians 1.15. Colossians 1.15 through 19 says this, He is the image of the invisible God. So when you see God, when you see Jesus, uh, Jesus is an exact, exact copy of the Father, right, in the flesh. So, and it says that he was the firstborn of all creation. Now, the firstborn of all creation is one of the biggest arguments you're going to get with people in time. Because they want to, some people want to take this verse and make it seem as though uh, God created Jesus, right? And then after he created Jesus, then he created everything else. But that's not true. Now, the firstborn here actually means uh, that he's first or first in time, first in rank, right? Not that he was a created being, but that he is God. So if anybody ever tried to downplay the fact is that he's the firstborn, right, of creation, well, he is the creator of all things. And he was not created by the Father first, right, and then they created everything. Creation was created by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's where you'll find that in uh, Genesis 1 and 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. The killer here is that he is before all things which means that he has no beginning. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, and he is the firstborn 
of the dead. Now let me explain that to you. The firstborn of the dead is that Jesus was the first one to die, to raise again from the dead, never to die again. Right? Everybody else, like Lazarus and people who had been raised from the dead who died, Jesus came along, raised them from the dead, they died again. But Jesus is the firstborn, not only of creation, but he's the firstborn of the dead. Meaning that he died, he rose again from on resurrection, but he will never, ever die again. So that makes him the firstborn of the dead. That in everything that he might have preeminence. Now we, we, we talked about this preeminence of not only life, but over death, right? That all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, right? There is no power greater than Jesus himself. The other verse attached to that, of 19, was that, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Colossians 2.9 says, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, which means that, I've got a verse down a little bit further that I'll explain a little bit more, that take, for instance, Jesus was this who had a body, Right? But in this body was filled with the Spirit of God. Right? So we're going to get a chance to see that. So uh, Matthew 17, 1, verse 2, 5 through 8 says this. And after six days, uh, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he transfigured before them. And his face shined like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. Listen to him. When Jesus went up on the mountain, he transfigured himself. Transfigured basically just means that he transformed himself into a bright light. This light was so radiant that his clothes shined, his face shined, so much so that it also says that when the disciples heard this, that the, when the father said, this is my son, uh, listen to him, they fell on their faces because they were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when he lifted up their eyes, and when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So I just think it's amazing that the fact is that Jesus contained this kind of power, this kind of light inside this vessel. So much so that he was able to transform himself to see this bright light that just terrified Peter, James, and John who went up with him. Right? And so uh, Isaiah 44 verse 6 is one of the verses I was trying to get to. 44.6 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. He says, I am the first and I am the last. And besides me, there is no God. There are many, many gods in the world we know of. Well, but exclusively, I want to 
by this verse here, where God declares that, that he is the first and that he is the last, and that there is no other God beside him. No one came before him, and there will be no one come after him. So I would encourage you, as we go through here, to really consider keeping your eyes upon the Lord during this time. Why? Because uh, he's the first and he's the last, and there is no God. There is no Savior. There is no rock, but Jesus only. If we go down to Matthew three sixteen and 17, uh, we get a chance to see the Trinity. Now, there are going to be some organizations who are going to fight you on the fact of the Trinity. Now, once again, the Trinity, word of Trinity is not in the Bible. But I want you to take a look at this verse where we get a chance to see all three. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up out of the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, meaning that he could see straight through, uh, straight through the heaven. And he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. Now, this is one of the first places where we get a chance to see uh, the Trinity, that they do exist. So when people try to uh, convince you that the Trinity don't, doesn't invent, uh, um, exist, we, you just take them to this scripture here, and this will give you a chance to see where all three of them exist. Isaiah 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will yield my glory to another. He said, I will not yield my glory to another, or my praise to idols. Let me read that again. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Down to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 1, 5 and 6 says this, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son today, and I have become your father? Not one. So Jesus is not Michael the angel, as some organizations might try to tell you. But he says, for which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son today, I have become your father. Or again, I will be your father and you will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Now, in the previous verse, he already said that he will not yield his glory to another. But yet we see that he yields his glory to Jesus, make, telling the angels that they can worship him. Hebrews 1, 8 and 9 says this, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of unrighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. So here we see God, even God is calling his own son God. Here we, we see that he is yielding his glory to his son, who is actually God himself. That's where we get the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the backup scripture for this, where you can find the reference for the scripture, is actually in, you don't have to turn there, is actually in Psalms 45, verse 6, which says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of unrighteousness. And this is where David is talking at this time. But here we see he's talking in the future, in future references to an event that's going to take place in the future. Let's go to Revelations 1, verse 8. The verse that we've been trying to get to. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was, who is to come, the Almighty. And here we see that Jesus is not a lesser God, but he is Almighty as well. Because there is no, um, there is no conflict in the Trinity, right? They all, uh, possess the same power, the, the, the same knowledge, and, um, if, if, if Jesus, whatever Jesus needed, uh, He is the Almighty. He has it, and, and so, therefore, um, He's able to, um, He's, uh, beginning and the end, uh, who is, which is right now, who he is right now, it says that as the Alpha and Omega, he was, which means that he came from the future, that he never had a beginning, and who is to come, which is future because he's not, he hasn't even come yet, but we're expecting him as Christians to come. And then it calls him the Almighty. So, he is the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelations 21, verses 5 and 6, reaffirms. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water. Without cost, from the spring of the water of life, I would love to have some of that water. Talking about now, when you think back to when Jesus met the woman at the well, right? He talked about. Uh, she said, uh, uh, "He said, can you give me a drink?" Well, it's in number one, Jews don't even speak to Samaritans, and as they're standing at the well, and, and, she, and she began to ask, "What is this water that you're talking about?" Well, I, I, I want some. Right, And so here again, Jesus offers her this water that just changes her entire life. Right? You want this water, right, which will set you on a, a different path. You know, the Bible talks about uh, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Right? Um, you need to have this water that the Lord possesses. And, and it, it's a trip here that he talks about. Now, this is in the end. When we begin to talk about the new heavens and the new earth at the end of time, that he's going to offer this water to us, this eternal water. Let's go to Revelation uh, 23, verse 13. Here, once again, Jesus confirms that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is God. I don't care how you try to argue your point, 
if anybody tries to come to you and say to you that Jesus is not God, reject them what they say. A lot of times you don't have to sit there and you don't have to argue with people. Sometimes you might have to just sit there and listen. But Jesus is God and the word confirms that he is God, that he's the Alpha and the Omega. He was with God in the beginning. He's, he's, he's the word. He is the creator. All things were created by him and for him, invisible and visible. So um, if we go to Revelation 2.8, we have another confirmation. The next confirmation we have is that it says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, he writes, The words of the first and the last, who died and who came to life. So who do we know who died and came to life? But Jesus. So you have to remember, remember that Jesus is the first and he is the last. And beside him there is no God. So when people try to argue with you by the fact if Jesus is God or not, you can know uh, for sure with reassurance that God does exist, that Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Father is God. Understand that uh, in 1 Timothy, I believe it's 6, verse 16, talks about Jesus, that the Father... Uh, lives in unapproachable light. And I, I, w- I was pretty amazed when I saw that was the fact was that you can't even approach him. Right? You can't even approach this uh, God because he, he, he dwells in this area. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about, you know, when he uh, was, when uh, Moses, I believe it was, wanted to uh, see his glory. Uh, and, G- and God told him, you know what? Um, you can't not see my face and live because he's, he's too holy. But he said, you know what, I'll let you see my back. So it, it talks about that he hid him uh, in the cleft of a rock, put his hand over him to protect him uh, as he passed by, and that he was able to see uh, the glory of the Lord from his back. Um, Hebrews 5, 7 says this. Which like, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said... Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and with sin offerings, uh, you were not pleased. Then I said, here am I, for it is written in the scrolls, I have come to do your will. So this conversation that took, took place before Jesus came talks about this body that God would prepare and, and, and that Jesus would uh, willingly come to earth and to die to, uh, for, to redeem us back to him again. Um, which I thought was very, uh, answers a lot of questions about this conversation uh, that Jesus and God had before Jesus came to earth. One of the things I like really the most about, which is really uh, a trip about Jesus, is that um, in Philippians 2, 6 and 7, in the King James Version, it says that uh, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
It says that who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So here we see that Jesus felt that there was no robbery to be equal with the Father, right? Because there's not that kind of dissension in the Godhead, right? But there is unity in the Godhead. So for, for, for Jesus to be able to make a, a statement like this uh, just confirms this relationship. You cannot break this bond between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? These three are one, united, bound, the most powerful uh, deity in the universe, that he uh, decided that, you know what, he said what he said because he considered it not robbery, taking anything away from God to be equal with God. Now that's pretty heavy in itself right there, which really, really shows his power. John 10.30 says this, which confirms this. He says, I and the Father are one. One in essence, though we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, here we see that all three of them are united as one. He says that I and the Father are one. When the Jews heard this, right? not a Jew, but when many Jews heard this, it says that they picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And Jesus answered the Jews saying, it is not for, and they said, it is not for good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being a a man, make yourself God. Now, in the case today, now, if we would have heard a statement like that today, you know, if we didn't agree with it, we would just say, oh man, just, you know, get on away from me with that stuff. I ain't, I ain't trying to hear all of that, right? But they heard something that they thought was so bad that they picked up stones and they were trying to kill him, right? And so um, we see once again, it, it, was, it was on a few different occasions when they heard these words that they were trying to kill him because, and he never, he never backed down um, from them, and he never defended himself saying he wasn't God. Right? He just said, why, hey, why you want to do this? You know, I've showed you from good, good words that I've shown you. Why you want to stone me? Well, we, we're going to stone you for blasphemy. Well, he wasn't blasphemy because he is, he is God. We got another uh, at John five eighteen. We see that this is why again that the Jews were seeking all, all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So the Jews understood clearly what he was trying to say, that he was calling himself God. Uh, he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God because he was God. Now, let me just explain this is that it talks about in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Now, what, what, what Jesus did, he just, 
he lowered himself to come down here and to be obedient, right? To serve us. He came to serve us. He came as a servant, right? But even as a servant, he still had great power because even he could tell the wind and the waves to, the, the stop, he could tell demons, you know, if a person was, many people came to him who were demon possessed, uh, he would cast the demon out of the person, uh, without any question, and that's power, right? No argument. They couldn't argue with him. They just had to come out. Which shows the, uh, great power, and that wasn't even, you know, even his, his power was even, even greater than that. Um, because as John 17:5, you know, he talks about uh, asked the Father to restore him with the glory that he had before he even came to earth. Right? So inside this body contained the Godhead, contained great, great power. Right? And so imagine when at, at Transfiguration, it's, it's amazing that he was able to transform himself so that you, he could see that they were able to see this power that was contained with inside that vessel of his, which was tremendous. And so, uh, another verse, at, uh, famous verse at John 8.56 and 8.58, 8, 8.56 to 59 says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not even yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus replied to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Here, once again, he declares that he is God. He never backed down from it. So much too that they understood exactly what he was, what he was saying. So much so here again that they picked up stones to throw at him. I just want to reaffirm to you today that Jesus is God. Jesus was not created uh, by the Father first and then all of the universe uh, created after that. He's been here the whole entire time. Even before creation started, he was already here. There's a, a scripture in John chapter 20. Give me a second. I want to just read you this little story concerning Thomas. And it's where we get uh, Mr. Downing Thomas. Okay. 20, let's go back up to, let's go to verse... Um, this encounter with Jesus and Thomas, verse uh, John 20, verse starting to 24 of the ESV. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Now the first time after Jesus died, he showed up to the other disciples. And when he rose from the dead, he was able to walk straight through the wall and just appear right before them. Because his body was no longer subject to the things here on the earth. He could do whatever he, he, can, uh, do whatever he wanted to do. So it says, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with him when Jesus first came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless 
I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers in the mark of the nails, not nail, and place my hands in his side. He said, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. This time Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, I don't know about you. If he wasn't there before and all of a sudden he was there, (laughs) I don't know how how long I'd be there. Yeah. Um, So anyway, it says eight days later, his disciples were inside. Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Then he said to Thomas again, now this is after his resurrection. Then he says, now put your hands and place them in my side. His side had a hole in it from where this disciple, uh, where the Roman soldier pierced him with a, with a sword. Place it and put it in my side. He said, do not disbelieve, but believe. At that time, Thomas's eyes were open, and Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, catch this, Have you believed because you have seen me? But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. So for those of us who have not seen him and yet believe, You've got a great reward coming. Uh, can I just read one more scripture to you then? It's time for my, my time is up. It's amazing how fast time goes. I want to read something to you out of Joshua. Let's go verse number 5. I think we're going to start around 13. Let's see. Joshua. Joshua 5. And this is where, uh, this is called a theophany. And a theophany has to do with... Um, where God appeared in a physical form, right? Uh, five, let's go, let's see, I think we're going to start around 13. Let's look at 13 over here. All right, there's a story, um, and this will be, the, and I'm going to close with this. Joshua 5, chapter 13, and here's a, what I would call a theophany. And once again, a theophany is an appearance of God in physical form. Uh, And the story goes like this. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man standing before him with uh, his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And when Joshua saw him, he fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And this is the reply. The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. And Joshua did. 
What other place do you remember when the Lord took, told somebody to take off their sandals because they were standing on holy ground? It was Moses. When Moses came to the burning bush, went by this bush, bush was on fire, came by it again, it was still burning, but it hadn't burned up. And that's when God had his attention and told him who he was and told him to take off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground. And I heard something very, very interesting um, concerning why he had to take off his sandals. Now, we know how thin sandals are. Even the soles of his sandals were still too high. He was still too high. He had to come down to earth, take off his sandals. Why? Because you're standing on holy ground. Sometimes you have to take off your sandals. Take off your stasis. Right? Because you're standing on holy ground in his presence. So that's what I have for you today. The fact is that uh, the Lord is one. There's only one God. Divided in three people, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Can y'all remember that? Amen. You got it.